God's laid a word on my heart. It's thrive. Everybody say thrive. So we're going to spend the next mm, 30 minutes talking about thriving. What time is it? Cool. We got that. It is 1034 for those of you that are keeping track of time. <laughs> Somebody throw a shoe at me if I go to. <laughs> That's what they do in the, like the Southern Pentecostal churches. The, what is it? The Southern Baptists. You know, you get the shoe thrown at you. So that means you're preaching good. So that means I'll keep going. <laughs> but just a few side notes. We've got a youth conference coming up. April, come on, where's my young people at? April 23rd through the 25th. Get your young people signed up. And young adults, if you're like, oh, man, this isn't for me, we need you to serve. So come on, young adults. We need you to serve. And adults, be praying for us. And uh, we, will, we probably will be asking uh, some adults, not uh, young adults, some adults to be helping us uh, with just facilitating everybody. We want to make sure everybody's safe. Amen? And then next, class, next week, we start a link class. So if anybody's interested in learning more about Influence Church, make sure you get signed up. Pastor Bethany and the team can help you at Link Central on the way. And if you're here for the first time too, make sure you see them. We'd just love to say welcome and it's an honor to have you with us today worshiping. So see Pastor Bethany. And uh, thrive. I came across this little, it doesn't really have anything to do with the title for today, Thrive, but I came across this quote earlier this week and it was by Roy Bennett regarding choices. And I I'll read it and then I'll say just something about it. But attitude is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Optimism is a choice. Kindness is a choice. Somebody say amen. amen. A lot of people a bit angry lately. <laughs> Kindness is a choice. And I pray for you. Giving is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make makes you. Choose wisely. Did you hear that? Whatever choice you make makes you. Choose wisely. Uh, the other week, Pastor Phil mentioned this in his message, that we are meant to thrive in the seasons of challenge. I'll say it again for you, Geneva. <laughs> we are meant, Pastor Phil said, we are meant to thrive in the seasons of challenge. That's what I want to talk about today. He said that, and it hit me like a ton of bricks on my chest, because we're in a challenge, church in America, we're in a challenge that we've never seen before. But I believe you as a Christian, you're in a challenge like you've never seen before. And we could rewind that from what we're just facing, you know, culturally, socially, all that to you personally. Jesus even said we would be faced with trials. We would be faced with tribulations. Don't worry. But he has overcome so that we could overcome. We are meant to thrive. We are meant to thrive. And um, so wherever you are, if you are on a personal challenge, if you're going through something personally a challenge, if you're going through something maybe with your occupation, if you're going through something just as being a member of the body of Christ in the day and age that we're living in, it's okay. Somebody say thrive. 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 So I looked this up in Webster's Dictionary. Uh, I'm not an English major, so uh, if you kind of, as you hear me preach and like run-ons or, you know, that's Okay. <laughs> There's grace for that. Like Paul said, I didn't come with you. I didn't come to you in elegant speech, but in the power of God. So I'll take the second over the first. <laughs> but thrive. I looked it up in a Webster. It says to grow vigorously. Come on, somebody say, I want to grow. Not slowly, but vigorously. To flourish. To gain in wealth or possessions. To be prosperous. To progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of the circumstances. Often used with on thrives on conflict. 
We're faced with adversity today, maybe personally, corporately, socially, whatever it may be, but we as Christians are called to thrive. Now, I take this thrive and I put it into my definition and I'm like, wait, thrive means to be like coastal and cruise control. Anybody else relate with me in this? Thrive means to have it easy. Thrive means that like no problems. It means no worries, right? When I think of thrive, it's more of like a kuna matata. If you remember, as I was thinking of my own definition, I thought of the biosphere. You remember that? Whatever happened to the biosphere? Well, they found out that things didn't actually grow whenever they were put in a perfect incubator that well. We want to be put in a perfect incubator. You know, the sun's right, the, the moisture content's right, all this is right. But they found out that there was challenges missing from the biosphere that they could not replicate. That was wind. That was the storm. That was all of those things that plants need to thrive. We're called to thrive. And that means that it's going to take some challenge for us to thrive in. All right. So, of course, my definition of thriving didn't hold up much to what God had laid out for me in the last few weeks of looking at thriving. So let's look at that. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 92. We're going to start here. The first point I have is to thrive, we must be planted. Somebody say, be planted. To thrive, the first thing you must do or be is you've got to be planted. And David wrote this, recorded for us in Psalms. uh, And if you don't know, Psalms was actually at one point sung. I won't try to sing it to you, but maybe someday we could try. (laughs) Melody, Whitney, Drew. Hey, come on. Can we just give it up for the band? Give honor where honor's due. We had Nick. Nick was here for the first time with us today, killing the guitar. Eric over here holding it down. Eric, come on, man. Where are you at? And we had Simon back there crushing the bass. I think he blew out the bass speaker on this side. I was feeling it. I, I think Steve was with me every like every third or fourth like bass kick. <clears throat> you know, it was like crack. It was all right. It's all good. And we had Chris in the drums and Michael, of course, and keys and Drew and Whitney and Selah and uh, I'm Amy. Thank you all so much. Did I miss anybody? I don't think I did. Let's get up for them one more time. There's just thank you so much. What an amazing time of worship. So maybe one day you guys can sing us Psalm 92, but uh, let's get on with this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. I was looking at when we do our, periodically we'll do our staff retreat out at the, on the Colorado River. And I was looking at a palm tree one day and it was blowing in the wind and I felt God say, notice the palm tree and I'm looking at it. And then I felt God say, notice it's not trying to bark like a dog. It's not confused about what I created it to do. It's doing what I called it to do. Come on. Somebody needs to know that today. Your identity We are faced with an identity crisis in our country. Your identity, your purpose, the plan that God has for you, the destiny that God has for you, it's a gift that he wants to give you, but it comes with encountering his presence, the power of God. Okay, we've got to get going. He, this is the the righteous, they'll flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. For those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Somebody say amen. Amen. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, I'm getting 40. It's coming. <laughs> I'm going to be bearing fruit. They shall, all of you who are older than me, like, whatever. <laughs> they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Come, somebody say amen. amen. I just underlined these words, flourish, planted, flourish, bear fruit, and in old age, fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright and there is no unrighteousness in him. We are meant to flourish, but the first thing you've got to do is be planted. 
We're gonna get into that a little bit more at the end of the message, but in John 15, verses 16, God said he chose you. Jesus said, I chose you before you could choose me. You were chosen. Does that mean that you're gonna accept the choice? That's up to you. Your choices matter. We talked about that before. But you were chosen, and God chose you. Jesus Christ chose you, and he, he ordained you that you would bear fruit. He doesn't want you to be, he doesn't want you to be stagnant. He doesn't want you to be unproductive. God has chosen you before you even knew, before there was even that moment of grace that you, the light bulb went on, the aha moment, like, oh my goodness, I need Jesus in my life. I need him as my Lord and Savior. You've got to be planted in the house of God. Flourish is a Hebrew word that means to break forth as a bud, to bloom, to spread, to fly, to flourish, to spread abroad, to be abundant, to blossom, to break forth, to bud, to make it to fly forward, to grow, to spread, to spring up. The examples that, that David used in Psalms was the palm tree and it was the cedar. I want you to just think about these for a moment. These grow vigorously and they have longevity and the utility of them. Think of all of the things that a cedar tree is used for. If you've ever walked into these beautiful natural forests that we have in California, you can almost smell the fragrance of the pine trees, right? It just has, and it, and it has such a fresh aroma to it. You know, the best way to compare it is to bringing that Christmas tree into your living room at Christmas time. But this is ongoing. It's not just limited to a few weeks until it dries up, and then it's no longer. But David used these two trees because they had such use in the time and the period that they were written in. And he makes the connection between the trees, the palm and the cedar, to the characteristics of the righteous, the longevity, the utility, the fragrance that's to come off of your life. Spiritually, God said, I, you would actually, your praise and your worship would come up to him as a sweet fragrance. Do you know your life has a fragrance to it? Is it stinky? Or is it smelling good? Mine right now may be a little stinky after worship, but it's, it's all good. It smells good to God. <laughs> it lays forth, these, illustra these illustrations help us to understand what is the destiny of the righteous. You know, when I see unreasonable, unreasonable men and women making decisions in this day that we're living in, I'm reminded that David said to us that they're, the, the wicked are like the grass. The flower that blooms in the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, it's nowhere to be found. Hold tight, flourish, righteous one. The thing that I love about Influence Church, we are a church that I feel, kind of back up just a minute, that we're flourishing, amen? God is doing so. Come on, let's give God some praise. It's him, it's him. And as we were worshiping, I couldn't help but think like, God, why would you look on us? Who are we that you're mindful of us? I, I don't understand the ways of God, and I'm sure you don't either, but we just hold on. And we're like, God, why would you allow us just to come into your presence and worship you? And I can feel tears warming up in my face because his presence is amazing. And no matter what you're facing, he's here to speak and to love us. He wants us to sit at his feet like Mary at the feet of Jesus, right? Not to receive anything other than just to be in his presence. But when you're in that place, how many of you know he doesn't leave you empty? He always meets you where you're at, flourishing. Flourishing takes some things. To be planted, it takes surrender. 
If you ever know the seed first, the Bible says it must fall into the ground and it must die. It takes surrender. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23, that, I'm, that, I must, that, you must, that anybody who's gonna come after me must deny themselves and take up the cross daily. It takes a daily surrender. Don't get yourself transplanted out of the garden that God has for you. Surrender. I must deny myself daily. I must take up my cross daily and follow after Jesus Christ. It takes humility. I put in parentheses, staying fit for the kingdom of God. You know, humility helps you stay fit for the kingdom of God. I'm trying to stay fit for my late 30s. It's not working. Marissa beat me at push-ups at the women's conference, looking at me mockingly, just like, go ahead. When you cop out, I'm giving you 10 more. <laughs> she did. So I told her she's going to be my trainer for my 40s. <laughs> Here I come, Marissa. I'm going to beat you next year. No. <laughs> Staying fit for the kingdom, it takes humility. Jesus said this, anybody who puts their hands to the plow and he looks away or she looks away, that person is unfit for the kingdom of God. You know what humility is? It's that stick to that I will keep my hands to what God has called me to do no matter what it takes. No matter what adversities I'm up against. Because God's promise is that we would thrive. The next thing, to thrive, we must move from the milk. Somebody say move from the milk. You know, how silly would it be that if we went to Ruth Chris, you went with me, you were buying, obviously. <laughs> and you know, you're like, hey, anything you want, anything you want, I'm buying. And I'm like, sweet. And I order milk to put in my bottle and I slam it down on the counter. I slam it down on the table and I'm like, I'm ready to go. And you're like, what? Anything on this menu and you bring a bottle full of milk? Can I encourage us? I was talking to somebody just earlier uh, last week and he said, you know what about, the thing about Christianity is, it isn't a spectator sport. And the thing that warmed my heart about the women's conference was seeing so many people serving and just gleaning from God deep things that was happening at women's conference. Influence Church is a church that, we're, that if you're still at the milk place, stay there as long as you need. But I wanna encourage you, move from the milk and get to the meat, amen? Move from the milk and get to the meat. There's two Christians. There are Christians who are carnal, and there is a season in life when every, as a Christian that you need to, you know, you need to be nourished and you need to be, you need to come and you need to be fed. But there's a season too where you need to start transitioning from that into the meat. Where some people have said this to me, I'm just, you know, I'm done. And, and I, listen, I've heard it from being here and I've heard it from other churches that I've been a part of and growing up in the church. You know, I'm just, uh, yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. You're actually at a season that God's calling you to start serving. If you're coming to the, if you're coming and you're saying, I'm just not getting anything anymore. Guess what? it's time for you to serve. It's time for you to get in the word of God. God has revelation for you to get so that when you come here, you're ready to pour into somebody. So we need to get from the milk. If we're gonna thrive, you gotta get off the milk. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, and listen, Paul's writing to a pagan, he's writing to a church that was in a pagan culture. We think California's bad. The people that I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, they're like, how are you making out there in California? Have you slid into the ocean yet? I'm like, no, we haven't. <laughs> the church in Corinth was faced with much adversity that we are and even greater than. They were in a pagan culture and Paul's writing to this church that has been planted there and they were faced with some things that we are and greater than that. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses one and three. And he said, brethren, I, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. So he's talking about there's spiritual Christians and there's carnal Christians. 
As to babes in Christ, I fed you with the milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where, for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, you are not carnal. And are you not carnal and behaving as mere men? Did you hear me this morning? We got to move from the milk to the meat. Like I said, there's a season, you know, as Abby and River were young, you know, they had one of their favorite meals. Actually, their favorite meal is called Mama's Steak. Are any of you that have been to the Snyder house for Mama's Steak? You can attest to this. I don't know what Erica puts in it, but it is amazing. As a matter of fact, we had it last night. Hallelujah. So that's how I'm so energized. I'm still running on that good, you know, little extra fat too around that. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat that, but that's where the taste goes. But Mama's Steak. You know, as Abby and River were born, you know, if I... As much as I'm like, hey, you know, Abby River, you know, we bought the best steak for you. You know, I paid like 50 bucks for this steak. I really didn't pay that much, but I'd wait till it goes on sale. And, and you know, there, and I'm like, okay, this is mom. You know, she seasoned it and she, you know, marinated it and all this stuff. And I put it down on their plate. And, you know, they're just like, gaga, goo goo. You know, they don't know what to do with it. There's a season for that. But there's a season where we must move beyond that. And that's what Paul was talking about here to the corner of the church. He was saying, I wanted to but you still weren't able to. Can I tell you that being in the word of God, being planted, cultivated, getting in that relationship one-on-one with God, staying in the word of God, putting yourself around godly counselors, godly men and women that can help you on the journey is how you get beyond this place to the next place. You know how I can get physically fit? Get myself around Marissa that can help me get from my unfit, they call it, they call it skinny fat, <laughs> to, from that to being fit like I need to be. I gotta get myself around people. 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about this in the love chapter. Now, listen, we use this at weddings. You know, I, I read this to the couple. I'm like, look, this is love. You need to be patient and kind, not envious, not boastful, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered. You know, all the, we read that. But remember, Paul was saying this dealing with spiritual gifts. There was a problem in the corner of the church with how people were using the gifts that God had given them. So moving from the milk to the meat, one thing you're going to find out is God has gifted you, gifted you with things, okay? And also, you're going to find seasons. You're going to hit seasons in your life where you're going to have to pursue God because you feel inadequate. What did he say? My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. As I send, you know, bread, uh, as I send seed to the sower so that the eater may eat. And his ways are higher than your ways. And you're going to hit those moments in your life where you've got to pursue him and say, God, I feel inadequate. But what did he say? I take the weak things and I make them strong. I take the unintelligent things and I make them intelligent. Why? Because I just want to blow the minds of the people in the world. Come on, give God some praise. We all qualify. You are qualified for what God has called you to do. Now, you may not feel like you're equipped yet, but that's okay. That's part of the milk to meat process. But Paul, he's dealing with this. He said, look, the problem of gifts, he lays that out. He helps, gives us some clarity on that. But then he said, all things must be done in what? Love. Somebody tell me love. 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 All things must be done in love. But he said this, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know as we are known. I brought this with me because in Corneth, one of the things they made in Corneth was mirrors. Now, this is the closest thing I could find to a metal mirror in our church. This is a serving platter. My mom actually had a silver one that we'd have to polish like every time she wanted to use it. Does anybody have one of those? I'm trying not to blind some of those people out there. So I'm gonna... <laughs> but 
But what Paul was talking about is in Corinth, they made mirrors. And mirrors in this time were not made out of glass. Mirrors were made out of metal, many of them brass, many of them silver. And what would happen is you couldn't, as you looked into this mirror, you couldn't get a perfect image of yourself. It would be dim. And depending on if you just had polished that mirror recently or it had been a time ago, your image, your reflection may not have been perfectly clear. Can you imagine those of us that get zits sometime and we're like, oh, no. But you're like, oh, look at this. Look great today. You walk out and the bird's like, He said, we see as in a glass dim. But there's a time coming. And what he was talking about was that in glory, and, and he was really referencing the instantaneously. When you come from this earth and now your time is over and you're standing before God, instantly you will know. Instantly you will see perfectly. But I believe as you're going from the milk process to the meat process, you come into a greater capacity of perfection. You're moving in to a greater, a closer or a close proximity to God and you begin to reflect him more and more. Do you hear what I'm saying today? And he said that now you would see instantaneously into the glory of God. If I look into this mirror, my reflection looks a lot different. If you look into this mirror, your reflection looks a lot different. God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is compared to a mirror. You know, just as we have well advanced as a society from looking into mirrors that are metal, thankfully not all of our mirrors. And have you ever gone to those bathrooms where they have the metal mirrors? Typically in a pretty rough area. <laughs> We've advanced beyond that to glass mirrors. Can I tell you too that the word of God in America is still available Readily available. It's not against the law for us to read this still. Come on. We have the opportunity to look into the mirror of the word of God on a regular basis. God's word in a mirror, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Come on, somebody say from glory to glory. Do you know what that means? From revelation to revelation. God gives you more. He gives you more. He gives you more. You come in and you worship and all of a sudden you surrender. God, I, sur- I, don't, God, I don't feel like worshiping today, but today I surrender to you. And God says, here's another glimpse of me. And from glory to glory, God takes the, the veil that's over your eyes, of your mind, maybe even over the eyes of your heart, and he continues to lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it. Do you hear me this morning? He wants you to look into this mirror and see the reflection, see him. And can I tell you, the kindness of God leads to repentance. I didn't need anybody to tell me I was sinning and going to hell. Somebody called me out one day and they said, you are not where God wants you to be. I don't know who I'm saying that to today, but you are not where God wants you to be. And you know what helped me the most? The person said, you need to find out what Holy Spirit means in your life. And as I got into the word of God and I started digging, I started to see the reflection of God. I started to see God more and I saw my reflection in it. And what I saw, my heart knew that God had a different person for me to be. We, on our own, on our own, we are left to failure. I can't change myself. Self-help doesn't work. I mean, it may work for a season. The only help that works is the help that comes from Holy Spirit, who is another helper. Come on, somebody give God glory. That's the only help. When I'm afraid, I'll tell you, when I'm afraid, thinking in the natural, that person's gonna not answer someday. My mom's not always there. You know, even as husband and wife, we're not each other's Lord. We're to help each other, to become more perfected. 
that person's not gonna be there for you that time because why? Because the Holy Spirit is another helper. Jesus Christ is the helper and another helper he gives us. Do you know what the word Holy Spirit means? And actually, um, helper, the word comforter or helper is parakletos in the Greek. You know what that means? That's where we get our word cleats. Do you know what cleats do? They help you to do something you can't do without them on. Come on, somebody give God glory. That's worth it. The Holy Spirit helps you do what you can't do on your own. I put cleats on when I play football because I don't want to slip and fall and break my face. Well, I've got a helmet to help me do that, but made me break my butt. <laughs> oh, I just said that. Yeah. Okay, we got to go quick. Point number two. No, number three. Where are we at? Yeah, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know what that? Where the, where the Lord is, where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom in your life. Paracletos. Look that up on your own time. All right. Last one, we are meant to thrive. We must be a servant leader. We must be a servant leader. Moving on from the milk to the meat, you must be. Somebody say, be a servant leader. As children of God, this is what he calls us into. And he has not given us an example. He, he hasn't left us with no example. He's given us the best example of all, his son, Jesus Christ. Somebody give him some praise. Come on, come on, come on. I'm preaching to an audience. I typically do Wednesday nights, and it's just myself and the people in the recording area, and so I get to hear you guys clap. Like, come on, give God some glory, because it's normally just me. Um, okay, uh, what are the areas of in your what are the areas in your life? I had to ask myself this question: What are the areas in my life that I'm on a power trip? What are the areas in my life that I'm on a power trip? Because that's a lot of times where God wants to do the most work. This ambitious request of James and John found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, or in Mark chapter 10. We're gonna look at Mark chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. We don't have all the time to read all this, but Mark's gospel can be summed up with a verse that's found in this portion of scripture. That the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. Did you hear that? Mark basically lays out in his gospel, portraying Jesus as this servant leader. And for you and I, we have got to reflect that image a servant, this word, um, we see Jesus in this book of Mark moving as a servant. You see him healing. You see him uh, praying. You see him moving as a servant leader. Our only res his only response and our only response in life of how we serve must be as the Father would will us to. What did Jesus say? The only thing I do is what I see the Father doing. In your life, I Pastor Phil says this quite frequently, he said, what we do here on earth is preparation for what we'll do in heaven. As you process through this, you may be at a person like, I've never, I've never thought about eating spiritual meat or I've never thought about, Father, what's your will for my life? Can I tell you that now is the time to start asking those questions to the Father? Father, what is your will for my life? How can I do things in obedience and surrender to you? Amen? But he asked this, as James and John made this ambition, ambitious request of who is greatest in the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered that? We as Americans, like, we like to be the top. Come on. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. I mean, we got the American dream, we all want to get it. We want to, you know, we want to be on top. We want to be the best. We want to be the best. We, you know, we, we root for the best team, all that stuff. They felt a little bit of that. You know, they were like, hey, we got, we got 12 of us, like, Jesus, what's it going to take to be the greatest? I mean, I've asked my I've done that before. You know, my kids, I can see Abby and River. They always want to be the first. They get their stuff out of the car, and it's a race to see who can get to the garage door first. I'm like, guys, like, the door's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, we don't have to run over each other to be at the first, to be the first. But they asked him this. 
actually they said, grant us that we may sit on the right hand and on the other hand, your left in glory. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So he was talking about the cup of suffering, the cup of God's wrath. Remember he was in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood because he said, nevertheless, God, if this is your will, I'll do it. But if not, let this cup pass from me. And then he actually, after he was, of course, he went into the, the baptism, uh, he went into the Jordan River and baptized. And of course, the Holy Spirit descended and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he came out of the Jordan River. And he, so he was baptized in Holy Spirit. He was baptized in water. And he said, I have a baptism of suffering to obtain. He said, I have yet a baptism to go through. And it's a baptism of suffering. Jesus thrived. Jesus thrived. And he was telling his disciples, are you ready to do that? And of course they said, oh yes, we're able. <laughs> How many of you ever spoke something before you really knew what you were saying? <laughs> and so Jesus said, well, you indeed drink this drink and be baptized. And then 40, let's get down here to 41. And he, when the 10 had heard this, you know, they were kind of off in a the distance. They began to greatly be displeased with James and John. Like, who are you guys to ask? Oh, of course the favorites get to ask the question, right? Have, we ever, have you ever done that? Grumbling, complaining, all that stuff. Okay, I gotta go quick. I'm over. Here we go. Nobody threw their shoe. <laughs> so Jesus, he called them to himself and he said, you know that those who considered Lord and rulers, sorry, those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, Lord over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Have we not seen that a little bit extra here lately? In our... In the, in this, and what he was saying about the Gentiles was the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is when you are on the top, you, you let everybody know you're on the top. And you exercise and flex your power and authority. Superiors exercising an acknowledged authority over their inferiors. Does that sound like today? Does that sound like today to, to anybody other than myself? Okay, 43. Yet it shall not be so among you. So now he's saying there is a different this is how the world operates, but I want you to operate different. But whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be the slave of all. Jesus was saying that. And of course, he demonstrated it best. Later, we find out as he comes to the Last Supper and he realizes that there's nobody there to wash the feet, what, what does he do? He doesn't complain. Who forgot to call the person to wash the feet? Come on, like, did we not text them? Like, who dropped the ball here? What did he do? He grabs a towel, puts it around himself, and he starts washing the disciples' feet. And he gets up, and he said, now I've done this, you do likewise. He hasn't left us without an example. Jesus was this servant on the move. All of the servants, all of the disciples of Jesus Christ shall be equal. Now, this is not equal as in socialism, equal. Okay, there's a difference here. Remember whenever in Acts, whenever they said that they came together and they gave that there was no need among them? That wasn't a socialistic economy because socialism is done like this, superior and pressed down inferior. This is what you're gonna do. But they came and they willingly gave. That's the key. That's the key. There was a willingness. Something happened in the heart that there was a compelling to serve and to help and do out of love and the Father's will and nothing else. So I want to say this real quick. True servanthood is Christ-like. Somebody say amen. amen. And the place that we need to start to exemplify this the most, 
followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, Christians, is in our home. Joshua 24 said, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When husband and wife are in this harmony, there is a divine dance they enter into with God where they're serving. Your concerns are most for the other versus the selfish, the selfish concerns of yourself. In our homes, to parenting, in your marriages, family, working in a greater sphere outwards to those that are closest to you, to those that in your occupation where you do hobbies. A true servant is Christ-like. Jesus taking the towel and washing the disciples' feet. The character of a faithful servant is revealed by their devotion to others' interest, the thoughtfulness of rendering untiring care, the delight in the prosperity, honor, and happiness of someone besides themselves. Can I hear an amen? amen. A true servant. A true servant. Servanthood is not slavery. It is voluntarily. It is motivated within by the love of God for the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. He endured the cross. It is done with love and gratitude. Servanthood is not cultish, but it is Christ-likeness. Servanthood must be done in a Christ-like manner. Somebody say amen. Not out of manipulation, not out of, in, uh, not out of being insisted or pressuring or guilted upon or demanded, but servanthood is done in the reflection of him. He's the one that did it. He did it for you and I. He stepped down from the right hand of the Father to come unto his own, taking on all of despised the, 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 the affliction and all that. He, he took all of it for you and I. Not so that we could step back up with our pompous and arrogance, but that we could humbly serve one another. Always in the spirit of God, being empowered with heaven's complete authority and giftingness. When you're moving in what God has gifted you to move in, there's something supernatural that happens. We have people that do that here at Influence Church. Keep it up. Keep it up. And I want to encourage us. We're moving into a season where we've got to flourish. And guess what we're going to have to do more of? This stuff. Looking out for the concerns of others. Looking out for the concerns of our society and culture. And for verse 45, and we're going to wrap it up. For even though the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? Think of this. In the beginning, he was with the word of God. Jesus was with the word of God. He was ministered unto. And as the risen redeemer in our nature, now is to minister, and he is to minister unto us. Angels and authorities and powers all belong and are subjected unto him. And what's he doing right now? He's making intercession on your behalf. Christ Jesus, our humble Savior and our is humbly serving you and I right now, making intercession for whatever so that you can thrive. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 23 is where you can find that. God set him above all to be head of the church and that all principalities and powers, everything would fall underneath him. The served of all came to be servant of all. And his last act was his greatest service of all ever to be held by the universe of God. He gave his life for the ransom of many. Did you hear that? First Peter says that God's will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Do you hear the heart of the Father expressed through his son, Jesus Christ, still being poured out by Holy Spirit and the day we live in right now. We are still living in an age where God is pouring out of his spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter two when Peter stood up and, and repeated what was in Joel. And he said, for the spirit of the Lord is pouring out. God is pouring out of his spirit. You know, we look for unity. 
We're dealing with things in our culture and society right now with equality and all of this stuff. Can I tell you that only happens supernaturally? He said he would pour out his spirit on young and old and male, female, servant, master. God's spirit is desiring to pour out. And in this place of, in his presence is the only place where there's no comparison to one another. And he even said that, if you wanna be great, be servant. Amen. This word ransom means to be loosed from. The word signifies the release from slavery and captivity, bought. It was bought. It was brought and it was bought by a price. You and I couldn't afford. Jesus afforded it. Sin demands a price. It takes an atonement. That's Jesus Christ. Because the penalty of death was upon us, Jesus' gift to us was himself. The universal ransom for many, for all. There was a debt. He paid the price, canceling our debt so that you and I could thrive. Doesn't mean we're gonna be in life without challenges or tribulations, but it means that we can thrive in the midst of challenges and tribulations. Why? Because what God has set in motion so that we can take and we can look into his word and we can see the reflection of God looking back at us. And you, when that happens, the things just seem to fade away that the imperfections, the the guilt, the shame, when you sense God's love looking back at you, amen? So the first thing we need to do is be planted. Can we all stand to our feet? We're all given a choice to make. And the greatest choice that you could make today is to be planted in the house of God. I can't make it for you. Your neighbor can't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. Your parent can't make it for you. Only you can make the choice to be in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I wanna give you that opportunity today. I'm not the one that saves you. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price for your sin and he wants to save you right now. I'll agree with you and I wanna pray with you and I, I hope that in the midst of us agreeing, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in agreeing upon anything, God touches and he moves. I'm just gonna simply agree with you in prayer, but if you are here today and you say, I don't know if I'm planted, I don't know if I'm, I question if I'm in a relationship with God. I want you to know something today. There needs to be without a doubt, without a shadow, without, you need to know today that you are planted in the house of God, that you're planted in a relationship with God. And I wanna simply pray with you. Can we just take a few minutes? And with, if you just don't mind looking down, just, just focus between you and God right now. And if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Pastor, would you pray with me? Be in agreement with me. The faith of two, be in agreement with me. Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to just see your hand slip up if that's you. Being planted in the house of God, flourishing as the righteous. He said that he became righteous. He who was righteous became, took on the sin of you and I. If that's you, if you'd say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I just want to pray with you for a minute. And I want us all to pray this. If you're online and, and you're praying with us, I want you to comment in the section that's right there. There's a person that's gonna pray with you right there online send you a link to help you, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of us, let's pray with the, let's pray with those who are coming in to a relationship. They're being planted in the house of God. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for humbly coming and dying in my place, allowing me to be planted in a relationship with you. Thank you that you don't see me as just staying an immature child but you see me as growing. 
I give you my life today, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, help me to grow. Holy Spirit, help me to move into a deeper place of intimacy with you. God, I give you all my days. I give you all my life. I repent for being away and distant from you, but God, I run towards you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, for saving me. Thank you for making me your child. Thank you for planting me in the house of God. And thank you that I will flourish in the name of Jesus Christ. Can, we give, can somebody give God some glory?